What's happening, everybody? On today's show, we're going to go around the conference as Auburn quarterback T.J. Finley is arrested. An injury to one of Alabama's big offensive weapons and camp updates from Georgia, LSU, A&M, Tennessee, and more. Also, we'll start to preview the upcoming season with Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are Locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Lockdown SEC. It's great to have you guys along. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, it is where the game starts. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Lockdown SEC your first listen every day. And remember, Lockdown SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at LockedOnSEC.com. Let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. And we start over at Auburn as quarterback TJ Finley reportedly back on campus and with teammates as he returns to the team following an arrest by local police in Auburn. Finley reportedly did not wear a helmet while riding a moped. That coming from Tom Green of AL.com. Finley and his lawyers or lawyer met with police about outstanding tickets. He is not currently in custody. Justin Hawkinson of On3 Sports reported that. If you didn't know the news, by the looks of Finley's behavior with teammates, you'd think nothing really happened with him. The original report that came out on Thursday suggested that Finley was charged with an attempt to elude police. It's unclear if this will impact uh, anything with the quarterback battle going on in Auburn, if he'll be suspended or anything like that. But Finley's lawyer released a statement saying he was arrested as a result of traffic violations and a misunderstanding, and as soon as TJ learned of the charges, he turned himself in has been released on bond. His first day of football camp with Auburn has been a success. That's from his lawyer. Hawkinson said, this whole thing sounds very overblown. He said some poor decision-making on Finley's part, but nothing all that serious. Brian Harson released a statement on Thursday saying, Finley was here. He'll be here tonight. He'll practice tomorrow. We're aware of what is going on. So, look, if this whole thing was Finley was riding a mohip head without a helmet, got a ticket for it, and never went to pay it and got arrested for having outstanding ticket. Come on, man. There's a lot of more overblown things uh, we can talk about when it comes to players in college football. But also, look, story just came out a couple days ago. He signed a big monster deal with uh, Amazon and an NIL deal. Make you a little cash now. Go pay your tickets. Let's take care of business and let's get back on the football field. But wish TJ Finley the best of luck. He was on our show with us back in January. Talked about... The quarterback battle and a really good young dude and wishing him the best of luck. But uh, obviously an issue that he needs to take care of. And as Justin Hawkins had said, sounds like a little bit overblown. Over at Alabama, they are starting up their fall camp. And Nick Saban giving an update on a key player on offense at his press conference Thursday. He revealed that tight end Cameron Latou it's going to be out for a while with an undisclosed injury. Saban said he's going to miss some time in camp. I don't know exactly how long. It's an opportunity. We have a couple, three freshmen, young guys that have an opportunity to, to develop, so it'll give them a lot of reps and a lot of opportunity. So that's a position we definitely need to develop some depth at. Uh, Latou is the Crimson Tide's leading returner in all three major receiving categories. Of course, Jaleel Billingsley transferred over to Texas. 
Robbie Outs is the next tight end with experience behind Latou. He had one pass for eight, caught one eight, pass for eight yards, played 11 games as a freshman last year. Latou last season for the Alabama, uh, set the Alabama record for touchdown catches by a tight end with eight touchdowns, passing Irv Smith's record. He also finished tied for seventh in the SEC for touchdown receptions, and he collected 26 catches for four, over 400 yards on the year. But speaking of Alabama, Alabama does return both coordinators this year. It will only be the third time that's happened in the last eight years. Nick Saban talked about having Bill O'Brien back as OC and Pete Golding back as DC. So I think it's really good for our players. I think the comfort zone that they have, the same play caller, same signal caller, same system, same presentation of that system. We don't change the system when we change coordinators, but the personality and how that gets presented sometimes is a little different. So continuity for the Crimson Tide. They haven't had that uh, very often with the coordinators coming back. Meanwhile, over at Georgia, Tyke Smith was a big-time transfer last offseason uh, coming over from West Virginia. Unfortunately, tore his ACL in mid-October, missed the rest of the year, and now he's working his way back from that injury. On Thursday, Kirby Smart said he's not yet at 100% and hasn't been cleared for live tackling as of now, but Smith is participating in practice. Smith only appeared in that one game last year, as we said. Different injury kept him out for the first five weeks. He recorded three tackles in his limited action. Over at Tennessee, Lynn J. Dixon, a running back, who has been at Clemson the last four years. He uh, transferred from Clemson to West Virginia, but never suited up for the Mountaineers. Ended up in the transfer portal again, and now he is on Rocky Top, the school he had originally committed to back in 2017. He officially arrived at fall practice and is wearing the number 23 jersey out there. Four years at Clemson, he rushed for 1,400 yards, 13 touchdowns, also had 20 catches for 190 yards and a score. So good addition to add some depth to that backfield uh, with Jabari Small expected to be the leader in the backfield for the Volunteers. Speaking of Tennessee, do need to give them a little bit of props, at least uh, for selling tickets. The uh, program... Uh, sold a, a record of season tickets this past week. They set goals for themselves of 10,000 new season ticket holders, and they blew that number out of the water, selling 16,780 season tickets. In total, the school sold nearly 5% more of their 56,000 goal uh, with sale of 58,871. So shout out to the Vols. Their fans are excited, and they're stepping up to the plate buying season tickets. Over at LSU, Brody Miller put out a report that uh, LSU running back Trey Bradford no longer on the roster. He's a third-year back, started his career at LSU, transferred to Oklahoma, transferred back to LSU last season, and is now apparently off the roster. As a true freshman, he saw limited action, had a nine-carry, 53-yard uh, performance against Ole Miss that year. But uh, Bradford decided to return to LSU at the start of last year, recorded stats in one game, had 11 yards on two carries against Texas A&M. Shane Beamer over at South Carolina, very excited about his team. He said, look, I'm happy with where we are now, but nobody's walking around saying, hey, we got picked fifth in the SEC East. Let's go. It's all right, or, or there's nobody on our team that made first team SEC. There's plenty of bulletin board material and motivation that we can use because we're not where we need to be right now, but we're certainly on our way. See what uh, Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks can do in 2022. 
Over at Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin meeting with the media, and obviously he loses Matt Corral. He's got a quarterback battle on his hands with Jackson Dark coming in from USC and Luke Altmeyer, who was with the team last year, got some run in the Sugar Bowl during his press conference this week. Lane Kiffin said, look, we're looking for the guy that leads the team and moves the team the best. The things that go into that are timing, accuracy, and decision-making. That's why we also chart things by production, by series, once we get into scrimmages. That's the bottom line. Take care of the ball and score. I think competition is great for anybody, especially both of them being young. I think that makes you better no matter how old you are. Good to have these guys around. Play really good. We're replacing a veteran quarterback. One of these guys isn't going to fill that exactly, so it's going to take other people around to step up and help. But at the end of the talk, Kiffin said there's no timetable for a decision on his starting quarterback. And lastly, over at uh, Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher and his crew start up their fall camp and Anaya Smith. AM speedy wide receiver. Talked with the media for the first time since, uh, well, missing SEC media days a couple of weeks ago following a DWI arrest. After the legal process has played out, it's determined that Anais Smith was within the legal limit for blood alcohol content and will not face charges. He met with the media and uh, was asked about missing media days. He said, I would definitely say I was very disappointed. Just the fact that it was a great opportunity to build my brand, to get a little bit more exposure out there for myself. And also just going in and representing AM. Now that that's passed, not able to worry about that anymore. I'm excited to play ball, and that's all I've got left now. So there you have it. That is the latest news going on around the conference. Thank you guys for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, our conversation with Connor O'Gara from SEC Media Days, previewing the upcoming SEC football season. First, I want to remind you about our friends over at BetOnline, BetOnline.net, the fastest and easiest way for you to check in on all your betting needs. You can find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league. They got Major League Baseball, NFL, NHL, combat sports, esports, golf, whatever it is. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. I was just on their website. Yes, they have lines for NFL preseason games. They have got you covered on just about everything. Head on over to Bet Online today. You can do so on your mobile device. Learn more about all the action happening today. It is Bet Online, and it is where the game starts. Go bookmark them today. Get yourself started for the college football season. Rolling along here from SEC Media Days, and one of our favorite guys to catch up with is Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South. He's been doing his thing out here, busting it, and uh, getting some questions in for Lane Kiffin, as he typically does. What's going on, man? Not a whole lot. You know, I, I really felt like I had to redeem myself after last year. The way that it played out with me asking Lane, who looked like he had lost about 40 pounds, Asking Lane Kiffin about his diet and then getting the response, well, that's a weird question to ask a guy. I, I had to come in with something that would at least get a chuckle, some sort of a some sort of reaction from from the Ole Miss head coach, and asking him about signing mustard bottles was apparently my my path to do that. <laughs> uh, what did what did he say? I didn't hear the response. Yes, he has signed several mustard bottles. He has signed a ton of golf, golf balls, balls and that it's been a unique golf season. He said, 
the the throwing out the the golf ball that he did um, for the the first pitch of the Ole Miss for the Ole Miss Tennessee series. He said getting swept. That was all just part of the plan to to help fuel Ole Miss to a national championship because Ole Miss fans kind of you know they they weren't too happy after getting swept by by the Vols. But he said that was all part of his plan to kind of spark uh, spark Ole Miss. And I, I mean their run kind of coincided with with obviously late in the season. Yeah, I, I've been kind of asking different people this, so I'll just kind of ask it to you. Where are you on the state of college football right now? Are you do you like it? Is it kind of it is what it is, or where are you on expansion, NIL, all this stuff? I don't have the same sort of connection to it that I think a lot of people do. So I want to preface what I'm about to say by making sure that's known. I didn't necessarily grow up going to games in the SEC when I was five years old. I didn't have this diehard team that I rooted for. I wasn't one of those people that would go to a bar and watch my team because they were only on pay-per-view. So I, I'm even though I am a diehard college football fan and my Saturdays from nine in the morning to two in the morning are watching college football, I want it to be known that that's not necessarily where I'm coming from. So I have a little bit of an easier role adapting, I think, to the changes in college football with NIL, with these TV contracts getting to be what they are. I have sort of accepted that this is going to happen. We're going to enter a pay-for-play era. We might already be there based on what people think about the current state of NIL. Right. We're going to get to a place where these TV contracts are going to be so unbelievably insane. And I think when the Big Ten contract comes out and it's announced for more than a billion dollars, everybody's going to have this step-back moment where they say, oh, my gosh, how did we get to this place? How are we at this place where the money is that crazy? So I have a little bit of an easier time accepting it, I think, than some who have been just diehard through and through since they were four years old and their earliest memories are with college football. I've accepted these are part of the times. It still kind of frustrates me. I do I do love some of these rivalries, though. I, I do see the, you know, at least the, 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 the basis for why these decisions are being made. It's, it's interesting with, uh, you know, with the expansion, you know, who, who – Texas and Oklahoma, when are they coming and all this? But um, there is still discussion on how the scheduling is going to work in your mind. If Greg Sankey pulled you aside, said, Connor, how should we do it? Three permanent teams you play and the rest we mix up. How, how would you do it? I would ask another question. I would say, what's the playoff? <laughs> I'd say, let me. if, if it's still a 14 playoff, mm-hmm. in no world does it make sense to go to a nine-game conference schedule. Right. It doesn't. If you're going to have this 16-team Super League, because that's what it is, Greg Sankey said that, as, said that yesterday, if you're going to have a 16-team Super League that is heads and shoulders above the rest of the conferences, and I'm sorry, but, but the Big Ten is not at that level yet, despite the fact that they added USC and UCLA, you can't tell me that's the case when they've had one team play for a national championship in the 21st century. Country, why would the SEC go to a nine-game conference schedule if expansion isn't imminent? Now, I think the development of USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten has opened up the doors for expansion to fully be on the table for the college football playoff in 2026. I don't think the alliance stands in the way of that like they once did. And so if I'm looking at it from that perspective, I say, okay, it makes sense to go to the nine-game conference schedule to have the 3-6. I was talking to Eli Drinkwitz about this yesterday, and he's saying, you know, I want those... Name those, drop. Go ahead. Yeah, big-time name drop. Totally. 
Uh, spent, spent 20 minutes with him. Sick brag. <laughs> but, yeah, I, one of the things that he was talking about was, like, he's like, I don't care if Texas and South Carolina play each other. I want those rivalries. Even though I realize, like, we're Mizzou, we're not necessarily in the same place that others are. I grew up with an SEC that was far different. I love having the control of the conference schedule a little bit more. And if you're doing the 3-6 model, that's what allows you to do that as opposed to the 1-7, though. I think there's a lot to be said for the eight-game conference schedule model and the success that it leads to in the college football playoff. Yeah, and look, I mean, I was at the Kentucky-LSU game last year. It's the first time LSU's in Lexington in like a decade. Uh, Alabama went to Gainesville last year. It's the first time they went there in forever. Like, we got to get away from that, right? We, we have to. We have to. There is no reason why Texas A&M and Georgia are not playing in College Station as both members of the SEC until 2024. That's the first time. That should not exist. There's that, that makes no sense. So I love seeing more of these teams play each other. Again, I have the different mindset. I'm not somebody who is going to be broken up by this game not happening or that game not happening. Although, obviously, I love rivalries too. I do love seeing Auburn and Georgia play annually. I love Alabama and Tennessee. I think Florida LSU is one of my favorite games annually. I, and whenever somebody asks me, Hey, what's what's maybe the, the the most electric atmosphere you've ever been to? I say without question, 2018 LSU Florida, a game that I know LSU fans don't really want to remember fondly, but a certain pick six. That's the loudest moment I've ever heard a college football stadium. Wow. So I love seeing. It. All right, you you, you 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 have a counterpoint to that. I can tell. No, no, no. I, I, I everybody's got their own experience. I mean, it, it is funny. Like I've seen a lot of the the, the rankings you know, of uh, best, loudest stadiums or best college football stadium and all this. And a lot of people put in LSU number one. I'll say this as a, as a guy who went to LSU. It's not what it was like when I was there 15 years ago. So I, I think it has changed. Um, you know, I've seen it at Alabama. I've seen it. I think what's happening across college football is the haves and the have-nots we see, we're seeing in the NIL. We're seeing it fan bases. The haves don't want to see Alabama play Troy. You know, they, like, they don't want to go to those games. And the big games, they'll watch their team, and then if they get up 20, okay, let's leave at halftime. Like, it's, it's weird. Here's the good news, though. Regardless of what the conference schedule format is going to be in, in the latter half of the decade once Oklahoma and Texas join, look at these future schedules. Look at the future schedules for Alabama. Look at the future schedules for Georgia especially. Georgia has some years in which they're playing 12 Power 5 opponents. Wow. Isn't that crazy to think about? And all these different great home and homes we're going to get. This is the first time that we're going to see Alabama play a non-conference Power 5 road game in over a decade. This is happening, and that's the benefit of, of this potential shift to the expanded playoff is that we're going to see more of these games get on the schedule. Florida, that's a team that historically does not leave the state of Florida right. to play a true non-conference road game. Going to Utah, like what, next year or something yep. like that? So we're going to see more of this. That's the beauty of being able to see kind of this expanded format is that we're going to have these great matchups as much as it feels like we're, we're getting away from these true traditional rivalries. I think we're going to see more Power 5 teams play each other. Talking to Connor O'Gara, SaturdayDownSouth.com. All right, I'm sure you're going to be doing your season previews and all that. The easy ones to pencil in Alabama and Georgia win the West and the East. If, uh, if Bama doesn't win the West, who's their biggest threat? I think it's Arkansas. I do. And I think Arkansas played them really well last year. That's part of it. I, I think if Arkansas had had a pulse against Georgia, the conversation about them would be a little bit different. Yeah. But... 
I think that KJ Jefferson did some things to that that Alabama defense that kind of threw them for a loop. I don't necessarily think that Arkansas beats Alabama this year, but I do think that Arkansas, with what they have from a defensive standpoint as well, should be improved. I think Arkansas should start off as the number two team in that division ahead of A&M this year. But I, I think there are still questions to be asked about them. You know, we need to see Arkansas actually be able to, to get after the quarterback. We need to see what it looks like in a post Traylon Burks world. Is Jaden Hazelwood, the transfer from Oklahoma, going to be able to not necessarily be Traylon Burks 2.0, but can he be that number one go-to receiver for K.J. Jefferson? Is K.J. Jefferson going to be able to make those decisions when he doesn't necessarily have that separation with his receivers? Is he going to be willing to take more chances? Because that's what they're going to want him to do. So I, I think all these questions are worth asking for Arkansas, who, you know what, played with every non Georgia team on its schedule last year and is in a much different place than anyone could have imagined two years ago. Yeah, and maybe played down to the competition at times, too. I think Fair. the LSU game was kind of, you know, but you're right. I mean, if, if K.J. Jefferson, look, the, the biggest question they have answered, they know who their quarterback is, and he's a gamer. You need a game-winning touchdown drive or field goal, put the ball in K.J. Jefferson's hands. He's going to go get it done. Dude, I, I think that K.J. needs to be getting more respect nationally, and I'm kind of surprised that, that he doesn't. And I went back and I watched the, the Arkansas Ole Miss game for and it just meant more podcast that we did on the Saturday Down South podcast. Oh, the never-ending game. game that just... The never-ending <laughs> game. It was incredible. It was incredible live. It's an incredible rewatch, and... I fell in love with KJ all over again. I think that he is somebody that you can truly rally behind. I think guys love the fact that he is able to make plays in the open field with his legs, sure, but his deep ball accuracy really improved. I think Pro Football Focus had him as the SEC's highest rated passer on passes downfield, even ahead of Bryce Young. Wow. That needs to to obviously maintain, and he needs to find those go-to targets. Traylon Burks is a big part of that as well. But I think that we need to see... KJ take that step up if Arkansas is going to take that step up and you would think that another year year three in the Kendall Bryles offense which wasn't the offense he was recruited to play in let's not forget that KJ was recruited to play in the Chad Morris offense whatever the hell that is whatever that is yeah um (laughs) good for USF for hiring Chad Morris as an offensive analyst and look forward to his fall from grace oh gosh I, I I do really hope for the best for Chad Morris but man it's been rough I do think that, that KJ taking that next step is, is going to be a, a great storyline to follow. And I, I am a KJ believer. I, I have KJ stock, and I am not selling it anytime soon. <laughs> All right, in the East, biggest threat to Georgia? Tennessee. It's, it, it's Tennessee. Isn't and that crazy to say? It's like two years ago they were like bottom of the barrel, couldn't get any worse. Oh, my God, I want to burn everything I have, burn orange, and like – yeah, now here they are. It's still distant. I, I'm not saying that Tennessee is on the level of Georgia, and I'm I'm debating whether or not I'm going to pick Tennessee to upset Georgia this year. Woo. I'm I'm debating it. I, I am. I, I keep going back and forth because <laughs> I just come back to the fact that they have four wins against the likes of uh, of Alabama, Florida, and Georgia in the post Fulmer era. It's like four and thirty-five. It's terrible. <laughs> but I do think that Tennessee presents problems for Georgia. And here's what I mean by that. If you can't get pressure on Hendon Hooker, he's going to make you pay. If you can't figure out a way to contain Cedric Tillman, which last year, what did he go for, two bills against Georgia? They're going to make you pay. And they're going to have more comfortability in that offense year two 
and I think they're going to have more weapons. Jalen Hyatt is a guy that they're really high on, uh, the receiver for Tennessee. And they can do some things to Georgia that I think could put them on notice. And if they beat Georgia, and Georgia goes into that SEC championship with a loss already, then it's a little bit reminiscent of, you know, the 2019 Georgia team where they get there with one loss, they lose to LSU, and then Georgia's attempt at, at a repeat, in this case, would be over. So that's what I mean when I say Tennessee's the biggest threat. I'm still picking Georgia to win the division. Right. Make no mistake about it. It's boring, but that's that's the only pick, in my opinion. Uh preseason Heisman favorite was it I mean Will Anderson feels like he's garnering a lot of support and it seems like we're kind of out on the repeats right like people if Bryce Young kind of does similar what he did to last year maybe you can't deny it but like if he takes a little bit of step back they go ah nice year we'll we'll vote you'll get there but you're not winning it back to back. he's competing against himself which is ludicrous and I think there's, uh, there's a phrase that all of us need to live by or, or need to remember. I'm trying to get a trademark, but it's a little bit difficult with Heisman being in there. It's, it's, it's troubling. <laughs> friends don't let friends bet on preseason Heisman favorites. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Even Bryce Young was not a top two favorite, which there's only been one preseason top two favorite to win the Heisman Trophy in the last, I think, like 12 years or something like that is Marcus Mariota. So I look at this, the, the Heisman race, and I, I always look for, like, the 40-to-1 guys because those guys can follow that, that sort of narrative. I think Quinn Ewers is the guy wow. that if I'm taking a 40-to-1 flyer on, give me that. That sounds crazy, but if you would have said Joe Burrow, you know, coming into 2019, would have been like, Joe Burrow? Yeah. Like, the, the guy who threw for, like, 180 yards against Auburn last year? No. Yeah. And then, of course, elevated his game. Connor O'Gara, Saturday down south, what, uh, what do you have up on the website this week? A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Um, our, our news team crushes it. All the news updates in the world. Um, myself, Matt Hayes, we, we are continuing to crank out columns every single day. Uh, we have a lot of stuff going on here. And my head just spins the entire week. I yeah. mean, I feel like I, I, I get to my flight on Thursday to leave SEC Media Days, and I'm like, that Monday feels like a lifetime ago. <laughs> so, yes, we'll have a ton of stuff up on SaturdayDownSouth.com, Saturday Down South podcast as well. We'll have multiple pods this week, a lot of interviews coming down. And, yeah, the, the content game and never sleeps. I love to uh, read your stuff, and then I love to go read your Twitter mentions of people like, <laughs> I hate you, you're terrible, how do you still have a job? You know, I love those comments. You love reading them more than I do. <laughs> I I just, I usually end up just muting people. I'm not a block guy on Twitter. Uh, I'm a mute guy because I don't want people to find out that I block them yeah. unless somebody's being real vicious. If they get, like, real personal, if they're, like, going, which I don't really get. I, I don't get nearly as much as some of the people here. But, yeah, just I, I just like to, to be able to mute people. You might be onto my burner account. So maybe I'll have to I pull am. it back a little bit. He is Connor O'Kara, Saturday Down South. Thanks for the time, man. Anytime, man. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. My thanks again to Connor O'Gara for joining us. And reminder to subscribe. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. We are your uh, back to, to being five days a week now for uh, college football season getting ever so close. So make sure you're subscribing to the podcast. Make sure you're checking out our YouTube video version of the show. And, of course, you can always find the show at LockedOnSEC.com. Again, thanks for making us your first listen. Your second listen, go check out some of our other great uh, podcasts in the Locked On Podcast Network. we got Locked On Auburn. we got Locked On Gators, Locked On Bama, Locked On Bulldogs. Every team covered across the uh, SEC and college football. we got everything you need. Go check them out right now. I'm Chris Gordy. You guys have an awesome weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Getting ever so closer to the start of college football season. Talk to you guys on Monday.